everybody. Welcome to the SOS Small Business Success Podcast. Happy to have you joining me here. I'm your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, and guys, we're going to be doing a great series for the next five weeks, including this week, um, on the guide that I put together, How to Recession-Proof Your Salon. And so uh, this guide is available for you. I'll share that with you in the end of this podcast, and each and every week I'll share it with you as we kind of progress through the topics that we're going to talk about in order to recession-proof your salon. So welcome aboard. Glad to have you here. Um, waiting for my computer to catch up with me here because uh, this is record number two that I've done because um, I had some issues on the first one. So I'm going to try and tighten this one up a little bit. Sometimes doing things twice makes the, the second time is usually better here. So I'm going to try and get my slide machine to work and do it. Okay. All right. So the last podcast that I did, I talked about inflation nation, recession, depression, and expense defense. And that is ultimately what we're going to be talking about today. But we're going to, we're going to refine the conversation today on what I consider to be um, my signature framework in this particular, my SOS coaching program that I offer clients. So, uh, you know, I'm a coach. I am also a, um, a director of the salon. And one of the things that I want to share with you on the role that I play within the salon is, although I have kind of the title of marketing and communications director, I'm kind of more of a project manager. I look for areas of opportunities that we can improve systems, improve client relations, improve staff relations. I implement something that, you know, that, that makes that positive change uh, and or launch something that increases or brings um, greater brand value or increased sales and more profit to the business. So I get excited when I can find areas of opportunities. You know, they say like, oh, the glass is half empty, the glass is half full. Don't matter which way you say it. What I see is that there is room to grow. There's room for improvement. There's room for more sales. There's room for more profits. And that's kind of how this framework that I work with my clients on coaching, that's how this works for them as well. So the signature framework, you know, I call them the five anchors, sales, operation, mindset, marketing, and education. These are things, these are five areas that if you kind of stay on top of them in your business, you can be profitable too. All right. So when we talk about these anchors, these solutions, as I put them, then we have to be able to kind of define it out and say, well, how do we increase sales? How do we refine operations? How do we balance this mindset? How do we build a strong brand? And then how do we educate on all levels within our business in order to grow? And I'll share with you more on the educating on all levels as we kind of progress through this five-week series of podcasts based on the guide to recession-proof your salon. Now, I, I Google... Um, you know, looking for sometimes quotes that create relevancy to the topic at hand that we're on. Um, and nine times out of 10, I swear Warren Buffett comes up. So, you know, it's no wonder the man is successful as he is. He, ha he has, he, he understands things on a, on a whole nother level and his quotes are usually very good. So here's the quote today that's going to tie into this because our title today is how to be able to leak proof your business. Okay. How to be able to leak proof your business. All right. Should you find yourself in a chronically leaky boat, energy devoted to changing vessels is likely to be more productive than energy devoted to patching leaks. Now, 
It's not like we can just throw away our business. Okay. We're a brick and mortar business. And so, you know, maybe unlike the leaky boat, we can't just like toss it aside and say, now it's time to get a new boat, but we have to be able to understand that if we have a business and or a boat, how it's built and the foundation that you build it upon has to be strong and sturdy and sustainable to begin with. Now, over time, any business, any building, any boat is going to start having some damage, wear and tear, some leaks are going to start to happen. But in a business, we also have to be able to figure out how to manage those leaks. And if we're not managing fast enough, we're doomed. Just like if you're not managing a leaky boat, you're doomed. You do not want to be out in the middle of an ocean and be in a leaky boat. Your chances of survival are not that good, right? So how does this happen to our businesses? Well, it starts first with a loss of profits. And if we're talking about inflation, we already have a decrease in profits because things cost more. Now you could have raised your prices and that could have offset the cost and that's fine, but sometimes there's hidden costs that we're not even aware of that are making a greater impact on our business. You might've lost stylus um, and the, the loss of stylus is creating a loss of profits for you, all right? Uh, it also erodes your leadership, okay? Leaky, leaky boats are going to erode your leadership because people are counting on you to take care of these leaks. And when they start to see that the leaks are not being taken care of, they start to not trust the future of where they're at. That includes clients and staff. And then that erodes the culture. So next thing you know, you got a leak in the boat that's called the culture leak, Right. And the next thing you know, the staff doesn't feel like it's a good place to work. The grass is greener on the other side. They leave. And what we know to be true in our industry is when they leave, clients also leave with them. So loss of profits, leadership, culture, staff, and clients would all be signs of a leaky boat. And although based on Warren Buffett's uh, quote here, I'm not saying, you know, throw your business away, but I'm saying it's it's not too late to be able to look at your business and say, are you just putting bandages on things or, or is it time now to be able to repair certain areas of your business and make, and so you can build it to be stronger? Again, all designed based on my guide to recession-proof your salon here. Okay, so let's move on to ways that we can be able to increase our sales. Now, in this, in this guide that you guys are, I'm gonna share with you the link to be able to download it for free. There's 25 plus ideas in here of how to be able to recession-proof your salon. But what I, and, and I, I say this often, there's only two ways to be profitable and that's to increase sales and decrease expenses. Sell more, and there's only two ways to increase sales, sell more to the people you have or sell more to new people, okay? But in order to be profitable, you either have to decrease sales or increase sales and decrease expenses. That's it. Those are your choices. So we're going to look at the, today's topic to be able to increase sales, how to um, you know, make sure that we're leak-proofing our business. And there's six areas that we're going to talk about to be able to increase sales. Now, there's probably a hundred different areas that we could talk about, but I focused it on these six, and then you can see how some of them will carry into a subcategory here. So let's start with number one. Um, number one is to be able to build a cash reserve, all right? Profit first, you have to have money in the bank. Um, if your air conditioning unit goes out and it's going to cost you $10,000 to replace a unit, 
Um, and, you know, a lot of times people are signing leases and not thinking that the air conditioning on top of their building in their little plaza is their responsibility. And lo and behold, they find out when it's too late, okay, because they didn't read all the fine print on their lease, that they're responsible for the air conditioning unit, not the landlord. And then they're wondering, I don't have $10,000 to be able to buy a new air conditioning unit, okay? And the other thing that just showed up for us yesterday, because we had some uh, repairs done on ours, is that air conditioning units are kind of on back order right now. So whatever pieces and parts that it takes to build an air conditioning unit, they're not available. They are not going to be available until January 2023. So maybe it's time for you to look at your air conditioning unit and maybe do a little repairs to get it to withhold a little bit longer, okay? Or don't mess with it. <laughs> you know how that works sometimes. But the profit first is that you have to be able to have money in the bank that you're setting aside, that you're claiming as profit right off the top, okay? Right off the top, not once you have all your sales in and all your expenses in, and then profit becomes what's left over. You take profit off the top. Now, my friend Ronique Inos, she has just created a book called Profit First for Salons. She's got a lot of good ideas in there. It's very, very, it's a, it's a, it's a really robust and healthy book that you could follow along to be able to make some really positive changes for your business. And then of course, my friend Donna Roggio, she's a coach friend in the industry as well. And I was just on the phone with her yesterday and she was sharing that uh, she's a financial coach as well. Not only a financial coach for your business, but she wants to make sure that you're also setting up retirement money and how you're uh, the succession plan that you have in place of your business so that you can retire healthy and wealthy, right? And uh, But she was saying that she's had this client, long-term client for years that never wants to talk about her numbers. Um, and she's like, and every, every, you know, every session that we have, it's a battle to be able to get her to talk about her numbers, but it's important. She wants to talk about everything but the numbers. Okay. So you got, you gotta, you gotta trust, you gotta trust the numbers. Okay. Separate bank accounts, right? This is, this is another very positive thing, especially for small businesses, because we may not, we, the cash flow might move fast. Okay. So separate bank accounts for payroll, for taxes, and then profit and, or, you know, uh, unplanned expenditures. Okay. So you could have that one in, in a separate account. That way you're not kind of muddling your money and you're able to make sure that you can keep the funds intact when you're ready to pay payroll or when your taxes are coming up. And of course, in any of this, in order to build a cash reserve, you got to start small. Okay. But have like a bare, a minimum, a minimum that you're always going to meet and be consistent with how often you're doing that. So every time you're doing payroll, you're paying yourself first. Um, not you personally, but you're you're creating this profit account first, and you're keeping a, and you have a minimum that you're going to be able to do. And then, of course, anytime you can do more, do more. Okay, start creating that reserve on there. Uh, number two, know your numbers, daily numbers, weekly numbers, monthly numbers. Look for patterns in those numbers. You know, if if your Tuesdays are always booked solid. Um, and it seems like you don't have enough staff and, and people are wanting to get in on Tuesdays, then maybe look at your other days and see, does somebody maybe want to add on a day or, or maybe we, it's worth looking at a schedule change with a couple of your stylists to bring them in on the days where you're busier and fully booked. Okay. It's, it's a telltale sign of when clients are wanting to be able to come in, look for patterns like that. Do you keep track of your client count? Do you know how many clients you see a day? Do you have a do you have kind of like a standard line where you know you're meeting your profit line by a certain amount of clients per day? Okay. Now there's other predictors to that as well, but let's say that you have 50 clients in a day. And and on the average, 50 clients in a day 
meets my bottom line profit that I need to make in order to stay in business. Okay. If I do 60 clients a day, then there's where my extra reserve comes in that I can pay myself in that profit first idea. Um, so client count is a good indicator. Obviously look at your service sales. Okay. And then your retail sales. Those are kind of the, the basics that you want to do. And, and again, start small, but start looking at these things, figure out ways to be able to make sure that you have access to these things. And then number three is nurture existing customers. Now I, I'm going to share this story and I'm going to try and do it very fast because I think I took too long in my first record that didn't record here. I saw this post on a salon forum and it was a, she posted it. It sounded like she was maybe a barber and he was a barber, you know, a, a male client and he didn't show up for his appointment. She charged him a cancellation fee and or a, a no-show fee, whatever that was. And then he um, sent her a three-page letter. And in this three-page letter, he had some really good ideas. And he talked about being values-driven. He talked about, what are you doing for me as a long-term customer? Apparently, he'd been a customer for eight years. He's always you know, paid whatever her fee was, her service charge was, and then he paid. He also tipped her. He brought her things you know, around the holidays. And he says, what about me? Like, what is, what about me? Like, do you value me as a client type of thing? And he had some really good ideas. And this particular stylist slash barber was looking for ways to be able to reply back to him on this three-page letter that he wrote. And now I'm not, I'm not going to bash anybody. I'm not going to say that, that the decision that she made in the end was right or wrong, but I always want to give you guys a different perspective on it because in the hundreds of comments that were on there, Nobody was pro-client. Nobody looked at the letter and said, wow, he's got some great ideas. Maybe you should implement him. Maybe he could be a mentor for you. Like ask him, you know, of all these ideas, which one do you think would be the great one for me to start with? Or, you know, thank you for caring about my business this much. You know, sometimes we get caught up in just the everyday uh, parts of our business and we fail to nurture our existing customers and create that value for them. It's like we're taking advantage of them. Okay. And policies typically lean negatively on existing customers because they're the ones that are like, what, no exceptions for me. I've been coming here for this long. I spend this much money with you. And, and these are valid points, you guys. I know we're trying to run our business. So I think that the gal ended up severing the relationship. Again, her choice, if that was the right thing for her to be able to do, the other perspective would have been is to look at these ideas and say, how can I implement them? And how can I engage with him to help me implement these things? You know, I don't know what he did for a living, but they were some really good ideas. And I would have valued that from a customer. I would have, you know, had a little bit of tail between my legs, uh, uh, having a client write me a three-page letter. But I would have certainly tried to create a stronger relationship with that client because had I done that, he probably would have sent five or six of his friends in that said, hey, you'll love her. She's great, you know, type of thing. Instead, he lost business and he's going to probably say, oh, I have to change stylus. I sent her a three page letter and she fired me. Right. Not 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 good at all. VIPs, take care of your VIPs. Do you know how much your VIPs are spending with you? Do you know who your top 10 clients are in the salon? And does your staff know the top 10 clients? Does your front desk know the top 10 clients? So when they walk in the door, they're treated as a VIP, okay? Not that they should be treated better or worse than any of your other clients, but you know what? 
Sometimes a VIPs deserve a little bit of extra treatment or extra special something along the way for birthdays, anniversaries. Maybe you have a membership package in place or what we're going to be doing is a text club um, coming up. And I'll share more of that when we get into more marketing opportunities here. Okay, let's look at number four, invest in new customers. Now, I see all the time posts that are like, how do you guys find new customers? So the, the top two things I see are, you know, how do you find new staff? How do you find new customers? Well, let's just focus on new customers right now. Finding staff would be in next week's session when we talk about operations. Um, well, the way, you know, once you get a new customer in your salon, are you nurturing them? Are you giving them reason to want to come back? Okay, so maybe there's incentives that you need to have. Again, if you looked at your daily numbers, maybe part of your daily numbers would be how many new clients you had in that day, how many new clients you have a week, how many new clients you have a month, and offer some type of incentive for those new clients. Um, you could do local advertising, which I'm a, way more of a big fan of because you can, you can negotiate it better. Local advertising versus, say, Facebook or Google ads. But Facebook or Google ads, if you're a newer business, might be a better investment if you really do need new clients, okay? And you don't have enough clients to do what's next, which would be referral programs or rewards programs, okay? Uh, create a nurturing funnel for any of the new clients. So I look at how many new clients we had in the last 60 days, and how many new clients we had in the last 60 days that do not have a current appointment on the books in the next 90 days. So this is how I kind of break down my reporting system. And then what I do is I send nurture campaigns to those new clients. Now, I'm not selling them. I'm educating them. I'm encouraging them to be more aware of the lines that we carry, the specials that we have to offer, um, the services that we offer, um, you know, how our, you know, the, our, our brand statement of our business type of thing like did you know that you know if if you tried one stylist that you're please call us back if if you'd like to try another stylist we have many clients within our salon that that rotate between stylist to stylist and it's and it's encouraged in our salon and it's never it's never discouraged type of thing so but those are the things that I share with the new clients so that they have an idea of who we are and why we think they're important and encourages them to come back and make that second, third, fourth appointment. Then, then we've kind of got them locked in at that point. They come three or four times, we've got them dialed in, we've got them locked in and they um, start to become you know, a regular and existing client on there. Okay, number five, define your niche. Now, men, we're talking about ways to increase sales. So number five is define your niche. Um, our brand new Goldwell uh, education director, came to visit us yesterday. So he's new in this position um, with us. And he shared with us that he was a stylist in New York and that one of the specialties that he did was reds. And he used the Goldwell Pure Pigments with all of his reds in order to create that vibrant, transparent, super shiny redhead. Because they are unique, right? And they get noticed. They get noticed. And so people would always say, oh, I love your hair. Who does your hair type of thing? And he ended up building a, a great following a great clientele. He ended up getting recognized as a, you know, red hair specialist and, and um, during this time of his career behind the chair. So you could do that with reds. You could do it with blondes, you could men, extensions. You could also then focus in on a couple of your stylists to find their individual niche and just promote them, have them promote, you know, themselves on their own pages, social pages, but it could be a way to, for you to be able to help promote some individual stylists as well. Maybe look at your brand. What's your niche of your brand overall? 
Okay, your brand statement, how can you make your niche your brand statement or vice versa? And then, of course, this is one of the things that I, I loved hearing yesterday when we had um, dinner with our friends here in Atlanta, Candy Shaw, her son, uh, her husband, Fred, her uh, son, J uh, Jameson, and his wife, Adrian. They're all part of the Jameson Shaw uh, salon, but also all part of Sunlight's Balayage um, and the Academy. And he said yesterday, one of the things that they changed the verbiage on and words are powerful, you guys, is that promise over policy. And I love that. I mean, look what's going on in our society right now. Like all these policy is just feeling so negative and it just is not fitting. It's not it's not fitting, you know, America across the board. It's fitting certain parts of America, but not all of America. And people are having problems with it. And maybe what we need to go back to is promises over policy. Right. Um, but I loved when he shared that story with us yesterday and, and uh, I wanted to share it out and give him credit for that. Uh, Jason Codner, thank you for that. And number six, multiple revenue streams. All right. Now, if you have a six chair salon and you only got four stylists in there, adding two more stylists, if you can find them again, hiring, we'll talk about in operations. Okay. If you can find them, that would be increasing your revenue stream. Okay. Two more stylists is going to create a new revenue stream for you, right? Services. Look at the service menu that you have. I'm, I'm surprised and shocked. I know many salons are doing balayage, but what they haven't done is updated their website, their service menus, or any of their marketing to be able to say that they do balayage. So if a client is actually looking for a salon to do balayage, they might see pictures and go, it looks like a balayage, but then they'll go to see what the price of the balayage is, or is it on their menu or is it on their website? And it's listed nowhere on there. So, you know, look at the services that you're offering and make sure that how the client is seeing it when they're trying to find you, okay, is available for them so that they can choose you. Um, services, upgrades, you know, conditioning treatments, um, additional coloring treatments, adding drops, you know, our, our pure pigments is an upgrade for us in the salon, serums. All of those things are upgrades and we do an enormous amount of extra revenue, extra sales dollars in upgrades within our salon. And our staff is really good about making sure that they are selling it, offering it, and then charging for it as well. And that definitely helps. And then of course, retail, we all know that retail is considered a, a, a revenue stream within our salon. You might also look at having an online retail opportunity. So with one of our lines, we can, we, you know, we can sign up for, um, if they go directly to we have a, a, like a unique link. And if they use that link to buy their particular product, um, not necessarily from us on our shelves, but through an online resource, we get a, a particular commission for that. There's also companies out there like Salon Interactive that offer multiple different lines that you don't have to carry the inventory and you don't have to ship it to them, but clients can go on there and buy what they want and you're still getting credit for it. And that's a great way to add a new revenue stream on there. Um, extensions, we talked about it before, but that in itself could be a very separate niche um, area of your business, but also an additional revenue stream for your business. Um, charitable opportunities, uh, maybe there's certain times of years that you bring, um, that you that you give money back or that you cater to particular charitable causes uh, that can help increase your sales and also do a do-good um, opportunity for charities. Weddings is a great category as a revenue stream, but you know, there's, there's a lot required in that. You got to really make sure you have all your procedures in place and the talent um, and, you know, contracts, agreements, all of these things. 
um, to get into that business. But uh, I know the people that do it, it's, it's, a, it's a great profit center for them. And then of course, look at boutique items. You know, I know we all want to carry shampoos and conditioners and hairsprays and styling products on our shelves, but what about some boutique items that, you know, because when somebody feels good about themselves and they, that last look in the mirror before they take the cape off and they're feeling good about themselves. And the next thing you know, they see those pretty little earrings over there. They're like, those are really pretty. I think I'm going to buy those when they feel good and they look good. Their wallet has a tendency to open up a little bit more, and it doesn't always have to just open up for shampoos and conditioners. I mean, if they're, they've got it in their shower, they don't need it, but the earrings might look pretty, and of course they don't need them, but they want them, and they're feeling good, so they buy them, or that pretty candle that you have um, you know, burning in the salon that smells so good that you, know, you have at the front desk type of thing, and so that people can see oh, I, I, I think I want to buy that candle for myself today. I'm feeling good about myself type of thing. So look at boutique items as well. You know, we have the uh, Atlanta Mart here. And I know that um, some of my friends and salon owners come here to the Mart, buy a boatload of miscellaneous items at pennies on the dollar to be able to sell. And they have high profit margins, even though they're small things like scrunchies or or shawls, um, you know, jewelry, um, you know, uh, little cases, things like that. And so my friend, Michelle Steinman was just recently here and she bought thousands of dollars worth of stuff. She puts it in suitcases and then throws them on the plane and ships them home uh, for her salon, Ginger Bay salon that she's at. And uh, they have a beautiful boutique area in their salon, beautiful. So that might be an additional revenue stream. Now, some of these might require an investment for you to do, but Sometimes increasing your sales does require an investment. So, and it's definitely, you guys, a team effort by both staff and clients. And it's led by a passionate leader because you want to be able to make sure that you are increasing sales from the outside in and the inside out. So clients coming in with, a, with, with the intent of buying and uh, being offered more from the inside and uh, being comfortable with that. So that's a great way to be able to look at that in there. Now, again, I told you guys, this is like one of uh, five podcasts that we're going to be doing all focused around the guide that I'm offering um, to recession-proof your salon. So keep listening each week to the podcast as we break each of them down from that framework, my signature framework, sales, operation, mindset, marketing, and education. But if you want to download the free guide right now. And then you can follow along with me on these sessions. And then of course, I'm going to be converting this into a little mini session of how to recession proof your salon that you can then listen to each and every one of these, uh, maybe all together along with the workbook here, you can download it at recessionproofyoursalon.com. Recessionproofyoursalon.com. Okay. We got through how to be able to increase sales. That was only six ideas out of probably a hundred, but I hope that that helped you to be able to look at your business. Now, ultimately what I want you to do is join me for all five weeks. And I want you to take, make a promise to take one thing on that you're going to do within each of these categories that we talk about each week to be able to, whether it's decreasing expenses, creating a new system operation, launching something new, increasing your sales and retail, um, you know, trying to hire new people, whatever it is that you're going to do to recession-proof your salon, I want you to put that action together. So we've got five sessions we're going to be doing, and then I'm going to do a bonus session that um, will uh, share with you guys how to be able to pick 
something and implement it. And hopefully I'll have some salons that will want to participate in that as well. Some of my existing clients. So thanks for joining me. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. And we're going to be talking about how to decrease expenses next week.